0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. My brothers and sisters, welcome to our time of prayer and scripture. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here. Glad to have you with us. Leave your prayer intentions in the comments if you wish. Invite others to join the broadcast. We are going to go into the presence of the Lord now. We're going to be inspired by his word and strengthened in our pro-life commitment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we praise you. We praise you for the union we have with you. We praise you for the solidarity that you create between us and all our brothers and sisters in the human family. We truly are brothers and sisters. We truly are responsible for one another. You truly have entrusted our lives to the care of one another. Let us not, Lord, get lost in some cocoon of just minding our own business. Give us hearts open to service. Lord, this is what Lent is meant to accomplish, to turn our hearts outward more receptive, more responsive to the needs of our brothers and sisters, especially the children in the womb. Bless us as we renew this commitment, as we repent of our sins, as we stand ready to forgive one another, and as now we ask you that we may understand your word more deeply. Live it more faithfully and proclaim it more effectively through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the whole assembly of the children of Israel and tell them, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not steal. You shall not lie or speak falsely to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, thus profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud or rob your neighbor. You shall not withhold overnight the wages of your day laborer. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not act dishonestly in rendering judgment. Show neither partiality to the weak nor deference to the mighty. But judge your fellow men justly. You shall not go about spreading slander among your kin. Nor shall you stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am the Lord. You shall not bear hatred for your brother in your heart. Though you may have to reprove him, do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your fellow countrymen. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you ever wonder why Scripture tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law? The core of it is actually here, where God is telling Moses to remind the people of the demands of the law. And then we, in the New Covenant, realize that it's all summed up in love. The connection here in this reading with that thought is... God's declaration over and over, I am the Lord. What is he saying here? He's not just saying, I'm boss, do this because I'm telling you to do it. It's far from that. Of course, he does have the authority. We do what he tells us to do. But if people think that that's what observing the commandments is all about, and then they may hear, well, it really is about love, and they may think that these two things are are different messages. No, they're not different messages. The fact that love sums up the law doesn't take away the contents of love. It doesn't take away the specific commandments of the law. It's not love replacing the commandments. It's love showing itself to be what holds the commandments together. Because God says, I am the Lord. In other words, be like me. And that's what love does. It transforms us to be like God. In fact, it's God pouring himself into us. That's love. Giving himself away to us. Christ on the cross. The Holy Spirit descending on us. We become taken up into the life of God. This is love. It's that back and forth relationship with the Lord that does what? doesn't just put his stamp of approval on whatever it is we want to believe, whatever it is we want to do, however it is we want to define the, the baby in the womb or the gender that we have, not how, what, what, whatever we want to consider to be our truth. It's not his, just his stamp of approval on whatever it is we want. It's exactly the opposite of the, that. It's him transforming us into what he wants. And what does he want? For us to be like him. So if God is truth, we have to be truthful. Do not act dishonestly. If God is justice himself, well then, those who judge have to judge justly. Judges and courts should take note of this verse. If God himself is justice, then you shall not steal. And if God himself is life, then we are to respect and defend life. And that's the other aspect of this reading that I want to bring out just briefly. Our defense of life does not just mean what we're prohibited from doing. We are always and everywhere prohibited from taking innocent life. Abortion, never justified. You can't kill a baby. We're compassionate to the situations that people are in when they think they want to do that, but you can never morally justify it. But it's more. God calls us to more. He doesn't just say refrain from doing evil. He says do good. And when it comes to defending life, the verse here is very clear. Again, this is from Judges, uh, from Leviticus rather, Uh, Leviticus 19. You shall not stand by idly, when your neighbor's life is at stake. You shall not stand by idly when your neighbor's life is at stake. Now, this doesn't mean that we can or that we are expected to respond to every single instance of our neighbor's life being at stake. That's just just impossible to do physically, mentally. People's lives are in danger all the time in many different places. We can't be everywhere at once. And there's not always something effective we can do. But what God is saying here is don't stand by idly. You become aware of a situation where your neighbor's life is at stake. You're expected to act. God doesn't demand the impossible. But we're expected to act. Why? Because our neighbor is our neighbor. Jesus, of course, will expand on this in great detail in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite stood idly by when their neighbor's life was at stake, their neighbor being the man who fell in with the robbers. But it was the Samaritan. He didn't stand idly by. He stopped. He inconvenienced himself physically and in terms of time and in terms of money. He inconvenienced himself to care for the other person. Rich man and Lazarus. Why did the rich man go to hell? Not because he was rich. But because he ignored Lazarus, you shall not stand idly by. He could have given Lazarus food from the table. He failed to do so. He was idle. You know, I may have told you this. uh, Dr. Philip Ney, who's a a pro-life psychiatrist, told me one time that when he gives talks at uh, pregnancy center banquets, as he has done over these decades, he actually says to the people after he... he, uh, he talks to them, obviously, about the, the tragic reality that should be stirring us to action every day of the killing of babies by abortion. And then he says to them, I want you to get up now from your tables. They're having a, a, a banquet. I want you to get up, and I want you to march around the room. And he does that as a psychiatrist to point out that if we are hearing things about our neighbor's life being at stake, about a Holocaust that we're living in the midst of, If we have anything of a functioning conscience, we're going to be stirred to concern. He says, if you're stirred to concern, you have got to do something. Where is that concerned energy going to go? It's got to be channeled into productive activity. If you're concerned, deeply concerned, and then you don't do anything, you're you're starting uh, down the path of mental illness because you're separating yourself from the demands of reality. The demands of reality are, if your neighbor's life is at stake, you do something. You literally start down the path of mental illness when you reinterpret reality or deny reality or you say, yeah, wow, that sounds pretty bad. I think I'll go back to my just carefree life, you know, mind my own business. If this reading is saying anything, It's saying you don't live in a way where you just mind your own business. You mind your neighbor's business. It's the business of love to intervene when someone else is in danger. It is our business. Reminds me, too, of the... the uh, tragedy that happened in uh, in New York decades ago where the young woman in New York was... uh, attacked and the neighbors didn't do anything. And there, there was a uh, psychological study done to find out why do people not respond when their neighbor's life is at stake. and So they had people show up to take the psychological, to be part, part, willing partners in the psychological test, but they didn't realize the test had already begun when they were asked to sit in the waiting room. So there was one man sitting in the waiting room, we'll be with you in a few moments. Meanwhile, he didn't realize the test had already begun. And smoke started pouring in from underneath the door of the adjoining room. He got up and he told something. He said, our, our lives may be at stake here. There's a fire in the building. Let me get up and tell something, tell somebody something. But when there were three people in the room and the same smoke came out from under the same adjoining door, none of them did anything. As they were looking not only at the smoke, they were looking at one another and they didn't want to be the odd man out. They didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. They didn't want to seem to overreact. They didn't want to seem to be intruding in something that wasn't their business, so the three of them sat there, you know, waving the smoke away from their faces and not doing anything. Interesting, Interesting result, isn't it? That it's the example of other people's inaction that keeps us inactive. The example of others being idle and not responding to an obvious emergency that makes us idle, but God's word is meant to rouse us from that you shall not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. Your neighbor's life is at stake by abortion. Every single day, all across America, these babies are being killed. We cannot stand idly by. We have to do something. Now, that doing something may be very simple. You may just send a donation to a pro-life organization. Okay, you did something. You did something. And, and, and you fulfilled this. It may be praying at an abortion facility, volunteering at a pregnancy center reading a pro-life book, speaking up, putting some things on social media, talking to your pastor. There's so many things we can do. We've got to do something. That's the message here. We've got to do something because it's part of the command of God. Final passage uh, I want to refer you to here, which illustrates very powerfully the very same message. The first letter of St. John, towards the end of the Bible, here in the... Uh, uh, it's, pages are very thin here in this Bible here. 1 uh, John 3. This is the message we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love Indeed, and in truth and not merely talk about it. Powerful passage from 1 John 3, echoing exactly what is here in Leviticus 19. Your neighbor's life is at stake. You have enough of this world's goods. In other words, you have your life and you see your brother in need, that is, his life is threatened. If you don't intervene, you can't have God's love in you. Remember what I said? Love fulfills the law. Love of neighbor means, first of all, you protect the neighbor. Doesn't necessarily mean you become best of friends, certainly doesn't resolve most of the time into some kind of romantic relationship. Love is far more than all of that. Basic, basic response to the most basic needs of the other person. The love of God can survive in us only when we are responding, when our neighbor's life is at stake. May we do so. May this be a truly pro-life Lent. Amen. Father, you give us the summons. We are not to stand idly by. Enable us to stand up, to march around that banquet hall. Not just to ponder the evils in the world. We start there. Not just to have a broken heart over the evil of abortion. We start there. Blessed are they who mourn and weep But, Lord God, we do not end there. Enable us today, without further delay, to take action to save the lives of our unborn brothers and sisters, to save, in fact, everyone that we can help. Lord, we know you do not ask us to do the impossible, but you ask us to do the possible. May we do it faithfully and joyfully, in obedience to your word, and filled with the gift of love. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, have a great day, friends. We continue our Lenten journey. And we will talk to you soon. Bring others into our scripture programs. We'll chat with you again tomorrow.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Alvita King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because We have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has
0: been the End Abortion Podcast.